You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. hope you're very excited uh, to hear that intro once again as it's been a while as the boys are all back in town together uh we haven't even we didn't even do get a chance to do the pre sugar bowl podcast together but uh, i can tell the boys are locked and loaded and ready to talk because uh joe and josh had a riveting discussion about being <laughs> married before the podcast was getting ready to start so we welcome in josh McQuistian from his home base uh, Josh, National Signing Day, getting ready to get here. Uh, you're already putting out fires. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, you know, this uh, this is going to be a weird signing day because it's not as though we're doing that usual dance where Oklahoma's got eight scholarships to fill. Like, there, there is a question of how many they even have to give. And at the same time, you've got guys that are committed that are longtime commitments taking a look around. So this is this should be a pretty wild January. Eddie Radosevich in studio once again, along with uh, Joe Duvall. Boys, how you doing? Hello, hello. Doing great. I'm a little still miffed that Zootopia was uh, was cheated out of Golden Globe Best Animated Feature, but I'll get over it. Nobody cares about the Golden Globes. Those are the those are the loser awards. Full confession. Those are I, the people that definitely aren't going to get Oscars getting those awards. Full confession. I thought I was watching the Academy Awards for about forty five <laughs> minutes until <laughs> I realized I was like, this doesn't this seem smaller than usual. He's like, well, I think this is the Golden Globes. Like, okay. Golden Globes always comes first. They get drunk at the Golden Globes usually. Yeah, that's the party party down. Is, yeah, is it me or is it a little smuttier? Like, that's probably why I like it a little bit better. But you know, that's that's just me. You usually have Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell doing something stupid, which is kind of nice. Kristen Wiig and uh, who who'd she do the Steve uh, Carell this yeah, year? Yeah, that was it? funny. Yeah, but I don't think Jimmy Fallon was all that great. No, Jimmy Fallon isn't great anytime. You're not a fan? His show is the exact same thing every night. It's him laughing, over laughing, making the guests feel like they're the most inspe- special person ever. Yeah. Him singing something. Right. And then uh, him doing one of the dumb joke games that he does every week. Yeah, I think yeah. He had, the, the games thing, I think, was fun for a while because you could see celebs in a little different environment and that worked. And then the singing, the evolution of rap. But then he realized he didn't have much else after that. And so that's basically all we've gotten. That's how since. you know you made it, though, when you just keep oh, yeah. doing the same thing over and over again and people oh, yeah. just eat it up. Those, well, those checks still cash. The roots are, are good, too. I guess that's a reason yeah, for tuning yeah. in. So anyway, uh, we are back from uh, New Orleans. Uh, Eddie and I survived another road trip. It was Even a good one. Eddie wore shorts on the way home, and it went from it so 60 cold. degrees to 7, was it, when we got back to Norman? It was so cold when I got back. My car didn't warm up until I got halfway to Oklahoma City. 
we found uh, we found mutual uh, listening pleasure with the '90s on Nine on XM Radio. Really, oh. really good. There you go. Lots of uh, good old school hip hop and some. Uh, I would just say pop hip hop. '90s is more pop hip hop. You got uh, a lot of salt and pepper. Yeah. You got uh, uh, little Backstreet Boys. There's some Backstreet there. Eddie Eddie snapped the Backstreet song. That's how much he was into it. It was good. Backstreet's back. I think there was some Toad the Wet Sprocket on there for me too. It was a uh, it was a nice genre of music. Made our way through uh, Baton Rouge, the future home of Jacob Phillips, and Alexandria, Louisiana, where they have the oh worst God. the worst chilies in the entire country <laughs> is in Alexandria, Louisiana. The worst dining experience of all time. <laughs> I'm shocked that you and I, as curmudgeon as we are. Stayed and ate our. That's how hungry we were. Yeah. No, it was like, like we we stayed. were eating. You were bringing us food. They were bringing. They were so bad. They were bringing us free stuff, and we were like, no, just bring us our food. I mean, it, we got to Very this elitist. stupid chilies. It, it was like two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. What, what Nobody could, was in there. What could you order at Chili's that would take them too long to make? Apparently, well, chicken, chicken uh, crispers, crispers, and uh, quesadilla. Yeah. Although. So we go in there, and no one, like, we're waiting, and there's no hostess or host to sit us, and we want to, I wanted to write a story real quick about uh, Bob Stoops and Joe Mixon from talking to him in, in, in New Orleans, so I wanted to sit at a booth, and the guy was like, I grabbed a guy as he was walking by as he kept ignoring us, and I said, look, are you, do we just go sit now in Chili's whenever, we, wherever we want? Do you not seat us? And he's like, oh, you can have a seat at the bar. I said, we don't want to sit at the bar. I said, we want a booth. And he's like, okay. And so he sits us, and literally 10 minutes later, he asks us what we need to drink. 45 minutes later, he asks us what we'd like to order. The whole time, we're like, we'd like to see a manager. Like, and so he comes over. He gives us gift cards. He gives us free cheese fries. Uh, and then the manager finally brings out our orders an hour later, and they're both wrong. And we're like, we didn't order this. And he looked just dumbfounded. The most amazing aspect of that, too, was that he brought us cheese. He like he we were waiting on our food, our entree to come out. And he was like, I'll go get you some cheese fries. Yeah, He brought those in like two seconds. It was like, it's like, OK, why, why can't you, you bring just, cheese fries? <laughs> just bring us the damn chicken fingers at the speed of light. And a quesadilla and a chicken finger takes an hour and a half. I don't know. Maybe I, I definitely think that our waiter, he was doing this part of the GED program. He said he had a wife too to another table, which really scared me. Who was a me. bartender at Chili's? Man, that's a stupid couple. Very. So very Eddie dumb. gave our gift cards to the table next to us when we left. Good Samaritan. <laughs> what did they say? I didn't even pay attention to that. I think they were just shocked, and then you walked out, and I was like, "All right, let's go." So I wasn't I wasn't that mad in the end because it allowed me to write an entire story and transcribe and everything. So it actually worked out okay for me, but it did set us back at least a good hour on the oh, trip. It, more than that. Although, I, I will say, we, we made better timing than the Pride of Oklahoma band because we passed them coming Twice. into town <laughs> and then waited an hour and a half and then passed them again. Yeah. So buses suck. Oh, that would suck. That'd probably be, that's probably like a 14-hour trip on that damn bus. I bet. I bet they just sit there and play Boomer Sooner for like 14 <laughs> straight hours. I bet they hate that song more than anyone. <laughs> they played it a thousand times this year. Uh, they they broke that mark during the Sugar Bowl. I mean, I, I I it's bad to say this, but like 
And it's because of basketball games that wears you out the most on yeah. that. Because you're so close quarters, and they just play it all the time. Like, anytime there's a break in the action, it starts. So it's it's gotten annoying. I'm not afraid to say that. What what are the other ones that come close? Rocky Top? Is that one that they play too much? I would say so. They... I will. Say, it, was, it wasn't part of the band, but they played uh, every third down in Knoxville. They played the uh, turn down for what? Yeah. And By I've, the way, I, I've hated that song since then. I do like that new commercial that he's got, the, the NBA one. I don't know if like, I've seen it. He's I'm like, telling you, I block out all commercials on TV. You do. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> I was trying to point out this commercial to Eddie Josh, and I can't even remember what commercial. It was probably a guy. Uh, no, it's the dumbass uh, uh, man of mystery commercial, the new one. He played college football. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God. yeah. yeah I terrible. said the thing I hate more than anything is that stupid line, he played college football when he was in high school. It's like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> and Eddie's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never. And that commercial plays like literally every five minutes on a sporting event. And so we're sitting there in the hotel room, and Eddie finally sees the commercial. He's like, that's the dumbest commercial I've ever seen. I hated it. He's not the most interesting man in the world. It's an imposter, and I don't buy it. And I, he's just as bad as the sprint guy, too. The the guy that switched. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me now? The traitor guy. No one likes that. I don't understand the hatred for him, though. He's a traitor. How is he a traitor? Verizon fired him. He has to work. He's an actor. Did he take a... Did he take an official visit to Verizon uh, three weeks before signing day? I mean, he's lying because I don't think Sprint's any good. It's been a while since I've had Sprint as a provider, but they were terrible when I had them. That was back in my BlackBerry days. <laughs> That's how long it's been. I wish we could have a poll, ask people. I think people would say they don't like him. Josh probably has Sprint. I've had Sprint. I'm a, I'm a Verizon guy now, but I have had Sprint, and it was... I can say it's the only one I would go back to. AT&T is the one I would never, never have a part in again. I like AT&T. If they wanted to be fine I, sponsors of this podcast, I would allow it. I, bet I can spread it all the way around. I got T-Mobile, and I'm very happy. And if they want to toss a couple of shillings this way, I'm okay with that, I would too. say $50 phone bill would be nice, but I just don't trust the Sprint. AT&T did an kidding? exceptional job in New Orleans hosting the Sugar Bowl. If Cricket wanted to sponsor us, we would whore ourselves in no time flat. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But let's not let's not be elitist about this. No, that's absolutely true. <laughs> uh, so Josh, uh, let's start out. I mean, we can go back, I guess let's start out with the end of the season, I guess, and then we can work our way into recruiting. Obviously, the declarations have been made. Uh Samaj P. Ryan, no one should have been surprised. I think we said from the beginning we thought he would go. Uh it was interesting because you got to have a little meeting with Stoops, and he's like, yeah, I think he's going to go. And by the time I could even get my car out of the parking thing, he had uh, announced on Instagram. By the way, we found out, like, he had this magical Twitter account show up, and everybody on the beat was like, oh, Samaj J.P. runs on Twitter now. And I was like, tap the brakes. Like, I know it looks real. And I think it was like Brooke from the Oklahoma, and it was like her first foray into why people would set up a fake Twitter account. Because <laughs> I was telling her, I was like, I wouldn't trust. I said it looks really good, but that people have gotten really good at making fake Twitter. Like that's what's scary is that not only do people make fake Twitter accounts, but they're so good at it they know what a real Twitter account would look like. Like what people are looking for. Yeah. 
It's almost like a new language, a new literacy. People can pick up really quickly if something's fake or not. Your, your eye just kind of sees it, and people have gotten really good about You want to believe that people are just too stupid that would do something like that, but they're actually kind of intelligent. It's like, it's like a criminal, I guess, in a way. You ever watch Catfish? Those people are disgusting, but they're geniuses sometimes. The, the efforts they go through to keep up all these profiles and alternate you know, identities and things like that. There was a catfish in a neighborhood across the street from uh, Putnam City North, and I watched it on MTV. I think I saw that and episode, too. it was too. awesome. <laughs> Every episode of those things will get you hooked. You're like, I'm not watching this stupid... Okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm hooked. And it's always either some fat gay guy or a fat girl. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. It really <laughs> is. Yeah. Like, it really no, is. no, there's never any in-between. You're just like... When someone comes to the door, you're like, yeah, that's the catfish. That's, that, that's the person. <laughs> there's no doubting it. And then you have this, like... Really hot, gullible girl standing out there. It's Just usually like, the friend. Why can't you be that? Why couldn't I met you, stupid girl, <laughs> stupid hot girl? I'm gonna Easily manipulated. I'm going to transition this into a recruiting question for Josh. Josh, what is, what is the catfish of the 2017 <laughs> recruiting class? Who's somebody that has everybody thinking he's going to be great, but you're not so sure about it? And I'm going to say fully national. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's an unbelievable question. The guy that's going to – well, I, let me start with the kind of more direct catfish. First of all, there is a guy, and I'm going to leave his name out just because I don't want to burn him too bad, but there is a guy in Houston that has literally made up at least 15 offers. Some of them have even been reported by good, reputable reporters just got fooled. Like they, they just the, – the kid is so adamant about it that they've bought into these. But, I mean, the – I, you know, it, this happens every year. I mean, you know, we remember that one a few years ago where the kid had the the ceremony at his school with his coaches and everybody else in, in Oregon, hand. right? Yeah, he picked. Uh, did he pick Cal, Cal. Over Oregon, Oregon over Cal? Yeah. I, I think it was Cal. That's right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you get that stuff. That's just crazy. But after spending a week at the Army game and just kind of watching some people, the guy. I'm trying to think of the guy that really stood out to me that maybe was a little underwhelming. Who is Zeke Pike um, this year? Ooh, there you go. Great reference. You know, honestly, and it, it, it's going to sound a little like sour grapes, but I don't know what to do about it. Hunter Eccles has some questions for me. He's not the physical guy that I thought he was. Like, I was thinking he's 6'5", 215. He's more like 6'3", you know, 210. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he he's a good player. But when I see him like next to Addison Gums, Addison Gums is going to be an outside linebacker, and Eccles is kind of a hybrid. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a three-four stand-up guy or a four-three outside guy. I mean, there's some question there, or uh, excuse me, a four-three defensive end. So there's a lot of questions, and I, he, you know, like I liked him, but I wasn't blown away. But I, I think, I'll, and I'm just going to double down on a guy that everybody else loved at Army Week and has loved all along. Walker Little is a guy that I don't understand the fascination. Like, I think he's very good. I think he's going to be a very good player at Stanford. But I don't see him as this future top 10 left tackle. Like, I, I don't see that when I watch the guy. He hunches at the waist. Like, he has all these bad habits. And it's like everybody just ignores them, and I don't know why. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Josh. I, I didn't. I wasn't in love with him when we saw him in Atlanta either. He seemed to get overwhelmed by anybody that had any kind of athleticism. I don't the, know. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, Eddie saw who he plays against. I mean, it's not like there's bad competition mm -hmm. at that level. There are some good players, but by and large, he's six seven three twenty, and even at the, you know, the Texas 6A level, he's not going to face guys on his side, you know, at his size. 
but it, at that level, I mean, he's facing people that are 5'11", 205. I mean, they just don't have any prayer. He's just so massive. I think that a lot of times, do you think that people fall into this trap that thinking that because he's so big, everything else will just fall into place? Yeah, I think there's some of that. But to me, when it really stood out, and again, he kind of won me over a little bit through Army. I'm higher on him coming out of that week than I was in. But like seeing him next to Foster Serrell, the kid from the, mm-hmm. the other tackle that's going to Stanford, Foster Serrell's unbelievable. Like he he's that guy. He's what everybody seems to think Walker Little is. And I think Walker Little's a good right tackle that could develop into a couple year all pack twelve guy. So I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I think he's garbage. I just don't see a five star guy when I watch that guy. Josh, you mentioned uh, Addison Gums, so let's get into the Oklahoma guys that you saw in San Antonio. What what did you think? What's your report? Who stood out what, uh, from those OU guys, Jacob Phillips and the like? Well, you know, Jacob's obviously the first one. I mean, he made all the you know post game list and that you know, and, and Jacob, as impressive as he was when we saw him in Atlanta, seeing him out there with the Army guys when you've got you know again another gathering of really elite national prospects. He sticks out. I mean, physically, he looks the part. And I noted it, you know, the first day I was there was it was rare because Oklahoma's guys didn't look, you know, oh, he's an inch small or, oh, he's a little light, you know, in his lower body. Like, there wasn't that stuff. These guys look the part. Addison Gums and Jacob Phillips may have been the two prettiest linebackers there. I mean, those are big, good-looking guys. Every, you know, Phillips is every bit of 6'3", probably 220. Addison Gums is probably a little taller than that and probably in that same weight Jeez. range. He's, you know, I told people he's bigger and more developed, in my opinion, than Caleb Kelly was last year. So I, I think there's a lot to like there. Levi Draper starting for a West linebacker group that was really strong, really good. Um, he, he's not going to be the guy that overwhelms you with what he looks like. He's 6'2", probably 215, but... You talk about a guy that sees it, reacts very quickly, and has the athleticism to get where he needs to go. I, I liked him a lot. I thought I thought he had a good, solid week that maybe not everybody's going to rave about, but he was solid. Isaiah Thomas, you just see the potential. I mean, he he's just – it's so much football is in front of him. But right now, I mean, when he goes against guys like Walker Little or Foster Serrell, he has no answer if they can, if they can meet him at the corner – he can't do anything yet. He doesn't know what else to do. He doesn't know how to get in and use a spin move. I mean, people misunderstand these things. He knows how to do them. His technique is not good enough to fully take advantage of it. So there's a lot of work for him. But, I, you know, and the other guy, and I'm going to forget him, is Creed Humphrey. The um, uh, started at center for the East. Uh, really was solid. Like I said, I don't think, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, he had a couple of good reps. They saw it in practice. He, you know, the East offensive line had some real issues in that game. They, they kind of got overwhelmed. And that's and not Wayne all on Creed or Paul. anything. But I just think the narrative is probably not going to allow him to really make a move. But I thought he was solid. Physically, he matched up. I mean, he's he's easily the biggest pure center that OU has signed in, in several years, in my opinion. I mean, I guess in, unless you take Logan Roberson out of, you know, if you include Logan Roberson in that conversation. Everybody's got to have a damn autoplay ad on their website now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh, you were interrupted a little bit by the Amway coaches poll. I was just trying to look up some crap. I thought it was I thought it was interesting that was Creed Humphrey a uh, captain for the for the game. I don't know how they go about selecting that kind of stuff, but I thought that was kind of a, a neat, I guess, added bonus for 
for uh, for him as well as starting in the game? I don't know, honestly, Eddie. That's I something I have picture. to look into. Yeah, Maybe I'm he not, wasn't. Uh, no, no, no. He may well have been. Uh, like I said, I mean, from day one, I don't think there were any guys on either team that were more locked into the starting position than Jacob Phillips and Creed Humphrey. Like mm-hmm. Those guys, minute one, they were starting. Like you, you could just tell it was a clear. And Creed was, you know, and, and that's to some degree that's going to get overstated because Creed was he was playing on the East squad because they needed a center. So, I mean, that that was oh, yeah. he was their only center. That was really the way that was going to work. Now, they work a guy through the week so that if Creed gets hurt or something, they have someone who can do the job. But he was always likely to be the guy. Um, so, you know, that that's part of it. Usually in those all-star games, each team has one true center, and then they have a, a kind of an emergency guy ready to go. But still, I mean, that's not the key point of it. When you watch him, he looked the part and did what he needed to do. You know, I, I, I watched most of the game. I thought it was a really good game to watch this year, which usually, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Uh, but, you know, some good plays made offensively, some good quarterback play. Uh, here's what I'm, I mean, what I kind of watched and took from it is everybody is so panicked now about, uh, and this is the the casual fan. I get a lot of this on Twitter. Uh, well, is OU going to be able to get any running backs after they hear that Samaje Pirine and, and Joe Mixon left? But, I mean, I watched all those running backs, and, and they were good. But I don't think that there was a guy, there's no Adrian Peterson, Joe Mixon, I thought, on that field. Uh, I mean, for instance, I, you know, I keep telling people, well, they've got the number 16 and number 17 running backs committed already in high school. I don't know, you know, Samaje Pirine certainly was not a guy that you were like, oh, you've got to have this guy. I mean, he was kind of under the radar a little bit on, on people, you know, in terms of a big time running back. I think, you know, with what Oklahoma's got right now, it could be just as good as what they could get if they got somebody up, you know, higher up in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, who is yeah. Cam oh, Akers? Go ahead, go ahead. Or, I'll just say Cam Akers or Najee Harris, Josh. Those would be the, the two best guys in the country. And those guys aren't coming to OU, so there's no real – I mean, there's there's no reason for OU to leave what they have or try to go get something better because I think Kerry's right. There's no Adrian Peterson in that game. And Najee Harris and Cam Akers are good, but they're not yeah. those guys. Najee Harris is pretty special. Like, I, 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 I'm I, certainly not going to say he's Adrian Peterson, but if you asked me between him and Fournette, I would take him. Like, I mean, I, I think he's that good. Ooh. Because especially in this era of college football, because Najee Harris, as Eddie and Joe saw in Atlanta, that dude's a fantastic receiver. Yep. He's not just a, a big-bodied, like, Bo Scarborough, Derrick Henry guy. Like, he can catch. He'll They could line him up in the slot, and he would really be okay. He, he's really good. Uh, but they're not getting any of those right. guys. So why would you even try and kind of have to go through that public relations nightmare of, Kennedy, we still like you. You know, we still like you, Trey. You know, you're going to report in a week. You're not going to do that for a guy you're not going to get anyway and then put yourself in bad, you know, in a bad position because it's not just about those kids. Then when you try and go in and recruit Trey Sermon's area or Kennedy Brooks's area, there are going to be local coaches that say, yeah, but they might try to sneak you late, sneak somebody in and drop you. So, I mean, you, you're, it's not just about this situation. There has to be more consideration when you do stuff like that. Now, from afar, I've never been to the U.S. Army All-American game. Just you guys all have. But from watching it on TV and watching you guys report it in the past, it feels like that game, there's always a kind of a game within the game. The recruits talk a lot behind the scenes. There's always that recruiting battle that seems to go on uh, underneath the surface. Was there any of that going on, Josh? Was there 
Where, where are you guys talking? Were they talking to anybody else? Were they looking around? I mean, people are going to want to know about Jacob Sp- Phillips, probably specifically in LSU. Any of that stuff going on? Oh, yeah. It, that, it's really – a lot of times, like, you'll talk to guys at events, and they're like, no, nah, we're really – you know, we're talking. We're just kind of catching up. But those guys have a week together. So there is a lot of time to cover a lot of different bases. And a lot of and that stuff happens these, in the hotel and at practices. Yeah. I mean, by the time the game gets there, I think everybody's kind of like – They've kind of done all the socializing they're going to do. Now they're going to play in the game. The kids get pretty jacked up for it in pregame. Uh, and then once that's over, that's kind of the week is over. But, but yeah, all that stuff tends to happen in the hotel. Like when you arrive and people pair up. and you, you, if you I mean, some guys don't even practice on the same teams with each other or don't really see each other during practices. Well, the perfect example, when I did that Jacob Phillips interview that we ran, the Scoop HD, Levi Draper, Creed Humphrey, and Isaiah Thomas are standing two feet to my right as we did that interview. You know, I mean, that, that I did all of those in a cycle. So, like, when you saw Jacob messing with Isaiah, that was all in the same, you know, and I'm sure people could tell because of the surroundings, it was all part of the same thing. So, those guys hear me talking to Jacob about the LSU situation. So, if they don't know about it, they're going to ask him as soon as I walk away and kind of have that conversation. So, you know, you, you've got this mix of all these reporters there, all this information that's happening and coming and going so quickly. Because, I mean, like the LSU thing was just kind of like gossip. And then at Army Week, it became like a thing. And now we all know it's 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 somewhat real. So, you know, that's, like I said, this that's how this stuff, it goes. They have to talk about it because it moves so fast when they're all together because, you know, you get Jacob Phillips going to LSU. Well, that affects Willie Gay. Well, that affects a guy going to Auburn. You know, there are all these – it's just a chain reaction because all these guys are looking at pretty much the same schools. Yeah, that's something I don't know if uh, – has that changed a lot in recent years, guys really following the recruiting and, and knowing what everybody else's class is and knowing the minutia of if this happened, this affects me and all that kind of stuff. And is, Has that changed in recent years with all the technology, all the internet, all these recruiting databases? I don't. I wouldn't say like over the last two or three years, but like if you want to say five, six years, yeah, guys are infinitely more aware of what's going on. But I will say, funny story is I was talking to Jacob just the other night, and we I said something about, well, this will all be over in three weeks, and he was like, why is that? And I said, well, NSD's you know three weeks from tomorrow or three weeks from Wednesday, and he goes, really? I didn't realize it was that close. I mean, and like. Wow. These kids, sometimes they just don't think about this stuff. You know, I tell, you know, you guys, I tell the fans all the time, they don't think about this in the same way that we do. They, they, they don't focus on it. It's not everything they're thinking about. Like everybody's obsessing about Jacob Phillips right now. I guarantee you Jacob Phillips is probably at the gym right now working out. Like he's not thinking about this incessantly like everybody else is. I think Anthony Hines should refuse to sign on signing day and just do his <laughs> recruiting process all over again. Reclassify? Yeah. <laughs> Still some visits left to take. <laughs> we haven't been in enough places yet. He hasn't been to Lackawanna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd probably get him if he went there. <laughs> Man. And there's the first shot from Eddie Radosso. That's just <laughs> fact. <laughs> Can I add something on, uh, on the U.S. Army game that I thought was hilarious? Is... I honest, I honest it's to God, a podcast. You can do whatever the hell you want. I honest to God googled this because I didn't know, and I was really intrigued. But for about ten minutes, I thought Bubba Bolden's mom was pink, the singer. 
Really? Well, is she? That's I, I don't. I don't think so. But she looks like her. That's good news he for her. He just was so pissed off when he made his announcement. Like there was a lot of. Uh, there wasn't. Uh, it wasn't nearly landing Collins. Yeah. It wasn't landing Collins, but it was close. Well, he just had the nephew that wanted him to go to Ohio State that was pointing at it the whole time. The, the Ohio State. That cab. was Darnay Holmes. Or am I thinking? No, I'm thinking Darnay Holmes. Okay, yeah. No, but Bolden did look like he just. Bolden was like, "Yeah, I'm going to USC, I guess." But maybe that's but just his personality. But I did think that she was the singer I Pink. Know. I don't know. I hope everybody so thought that was just So you looked it up? Yeah, definitely not, but I mean. Did anybody else on the internet think the same thing? No, and that's what made me kind of uh, pause about tweeting about something like that. Would have been a Twitter fail. It would have probably been a Twitter fail. So Sometimes you got to throw it out, said. though. Sometimes you got to throw it out and just see what happens. I did get to listen to uh, Eddie's beloved Barstool Sports Radio on the way back. It was great. It was the greatest two hours. Prez was riding the captain ship. It was great. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. It was it was okay. You're more invested in all that stuff, though. Like, you know the characters and what they're about. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I've been there from day one, because I definitely haven't. I just felt like it was that Dave Portnoy guy in a lackey that just... Was like you're right, you're right. Yeah, I don't know who was in there with him that day. I think we just lost Josh. Well, that was awesome. That was uh, weird. My internet went out. Cox Communications just decided, hey, let's turn off internet for a little bit. Oh, cool. Well, hey, it wasn't me for a change. Wow, that's, she really does exciting. look like Pink. Really does look like Pink. That was a good call. See, she looks like Pink's aunt. Did you something. hear me, Josh? The the Pink part? Yeah. Oh, you guys didn't hear it. Like, I was looking it up. I was trying to see if she had a kid that old. Yeah, she he she looks exactly like Pink. I think she looks like Pink's well, Pink aunt. is married to a guy named Carrie, and he spells it exactly the same way. Then he's like oh, a, really? a writer, like a dirt he's like bike a rider, motocross motor- guy, yeah. Carrie Hart. You guys have that in same. common, too. They've been married a while, I think. They've been together forever, together yeah. Forever. But they were, uh, okay, so continuing after we had internet failure, but we were talking about... We talking about Bubba Bolden and just how. Anyway, I thought I mean he was really impressive in that game. Uh, like I said, I thought the quarterbacks were impressive. Uh, but I mean, anything Josh other than that that really stood out to you uh, at the U.S. Army game involving guys that uh, you were covering? No, you know nothing too particular. I, I do think, like I said, that the I think it's pretty clear. And and Joe and I are starting to work on the early enrollees and catching up with those guys uh, before they you know go to Norman later this week. And I think it's still interesting when you talk to all these guys. There really is like whether it's Marquise Brown in Florida and you know Jeremiah Hall in Virginia. There is there's a real relationship between these guys. Like you could tell. And I like I said, I know everybody's so worried about Jacob Phillips right now. There's clearly a bond with Jacob Phillips and those other guys. He was really excited to be around those guys, and he spent a lot of time with them. So, I mean, I, I, I think that's the thing that sticks out to me is that even though a lot of these guys are from very different backgrounds and very different places, there does seem to be a good relationship for that class, which is usually uh, always a good jumping off point to you know kind of see how things will go early in their career. Well, and and I don't know how much you got a chance or if you were covering practice or not to watch the uh, Under Armour game, but uh, kind of caught bits and pieces of that in New Orleans. Uh, it seemed like kind of like just judging the reaction, like Justin Broyles had some good things that happened, some not so good things that happened, but overall it was kind of his week, it seemed like, in, in Orlando. Of the OU commitments, that's definitely the vibe I got, was that they liked him a lot. I mean, and it's 
it's for all the reasons we like Justin Burrells. He's he's tenacious. Like he's going to get in there and fight for every inch. Like he's just a scrappy kind of kid that's going to do whatever he can to help win. And you know, on the flip, you've got Trey Brown, who probably has a little more physical gifts, but at the same time, you kind of keep waiting for him to live up to that talent. So. They're very different players in the way they go about things. But, yeah, I think Broyles was clearly the guy that everybody was talking about coming out of that week. I'll say this about Trey Brown. Down the stretch, uh, the state championships, he really kind of, I thought he turned it on. And I thought, I thought when I watched him in the championship game in particular, I thought, okay, that's the kid that could be a great college football player. I think a lot of the time too he just ran into teams teams just didn't throw to his side so you never really saw him able to do anything other than run from the backside and maybe help an assist in a tackle or something like that but the stuff you saw him do on offense that was just he like was you were like whoa good. i mean this kid i mean i think he could be a great kick returner for ou one day uh even if he stays a defensive back but just his we knew it ever since we saw him at the the ill speed challenge mm-hmm. that his speed is just blinding yeah, he might be the fastest football player in the state and you just kind of were waiting to see it on the field and in that state championship game my god he looked the part so i, I the thing about justin though is you see it every rep every rep you see justin what he has now it might not be as much physical gifts as what trey has but you're going to see what justin has on every rep and i think that's kind of why people are drawn to him but uh, Trey, no one's going to be as fast as Trey in this state. Well, and, you know, I just, if you guys could kind of talk about, you know, uh, I know Addison Gums has already tweeted out that he's signed with yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, so he's a fish. I know that was a little bit of a worry here in the last month from time to time about maybe some other teams getting involved. But, Josh, if you kind of talk about, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you and Joe kind of working on some early enrollee guys, but. Some of those names there, there, and, and kind of uh, your expectations leading up to, to signing day with them. Well, now, do you mean from an aspect of the guys they're still looking at, or the guys, the, the guys, the guys that guys? are coming in, basically the, the the early enrollee guys, and and kind of who, you know, basically, you know, who can kind of make a potential impact coming up in the spring. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the obvious guy has to be Levi Draper, just if for no other reason than pure numbers. I mean, Oklahoma obviously has a shortage of inside linebackers, and with Levi Draper coming in early, he almost automatically walks into the two deep of the inside linebacker. I mean, that, that's just the way the numbers are going to work out. So that's a big one, and I think it'll help him to go through the spring, kind of get, you know, and, and even to go through the winter here where he's going to do workouts with the team, kind of add some size. Because if there's anything that I think Levi is going to struggle with the most, it's just going to be physically getting where he needs to be. But, I mean, like, you look at guys like Justin Broyles and Grant Calcaterra, there's not a lot of time where you see, okay, that that's possible. Addison Gums may just be too good to keep off the field. I mean, that I, you know, that's, that's going to be the thing where two years ago, Oklahoma was in real danger at outside linebacker. Now you're starting to look with, you know, Oboe coming back. Caleb Kelly starting to establish himself as a star. Uh, you've got Mark Jackson. I mean, you look through the list, there is some talent at outside linebacker right now. You add in Addison Gums, Kenneth Murray's enrolling early. So, I mean, there is now starting to be some real depth at that outside linebacker spot and a lot of good young talent coming through. Uh, another one that I think is going to be really important is Trey Sermon, the, uh, the, the Georgia running back, the Rivals 250 guy. He'll be there this semester, gets a go through everything, and, you know, who knows, maybe he can 
get there and kind of be another, uh, you know, that third running back for OU. I think with Marcellius Sutton, Sutton yeah. he's coming in early. He could also kind of fill a role. And maybe it'll be it'll be very interesting to me to see what Lincoln Riley chooses to do with Marcellius Sutton because he's a kind of all-purpose guy. They can line him up in the slot. He can take stuff, you know, from under center, you know, or not him from under center, but he could play in a four, you know, an I formation type situation if he had to. There are a lot of ways he can be used, and I'm interested to see how creative Oklahoma can be with him. And I guess the last one would be Marquise Brown, the the explosive receiver. Uh, I just talked to him a little while ago. He'll be in Norman on Saturday, and talking to him was hilarious because he'll be coming in from Miami. And apparently, you guys are about to get nailed with some serious. Yeah, he might that, never uh, get here. And, oh, don't and so I told it. him, I go, "Wear the those shorts on the plane, man." Like I, you, you could hear the fear in his voice. He's like, "Oh, really?" You know, I don't think the kid's ever lived in a world where he could see his own breath. I want to so get that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see how he reacts. I want to get back to Eddie's truther moment here. That's coming. I can tell. Uh, but here's one thing that I think could happen, and this isn't anything that I've been told. But you know, you have the situation where. Baker Mayfield's returning. He's a Heisman Trophy finalist. Kyler Murray, you know, he wants to be the starting quarterback. It's not going to be in the cards for him this year, but he wants to play quarterback and be ready to go when Baker's gone. I'm just saying, though, if Lincoln kind of wanted to come up with kind of a slash position on offense this year, that would be... And with Joe Mixon, they kind of had that already. It's just that they didn't have to really define it any certain way because he was so he could be a legitimate receiver he could be a legitimate running back but I think with Kyler Murray if you wanted to use him in the slot if you wanted to use him as kind of a jet sweep guy uh kind of like you know I watched watching the national championship uh who was it the the is it the dean uh is it who's the 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 wide receiver that got suspended last year Deion Kane Deion Kane uh, you, I mean, like Clemson uses him almost exclusively as a motion man. Almost every time they run a play, I could see like Kyler Murray playing that type of a role in the offense. You know what's interesting about that is Lincoln Riley clearly is not afraid to have guys that aren't the quarterback throw the ball. He's Joe Mixon yeah. threw a bunch of passes. D.D. West, Westbrook. Westbrook threw a bunch of passes. I, and he, Lincoln Riley is also the kind of guy who likes to do things that are new and different. I think, I think that, he should go with that. Was it was it Louisiana Monroe that had the two quarterback system there? They yeah, have two for a while. quarterbacks on the field yeah, at the same time. I think so. I'd love to see that. Kyler Murray in the slot, but you can always run a sweep with him and have him throw it out of that or run an option and pitch it to him where he can throw it. I mean, there are things Lincoln Riley could have some fun with if he chose to like branch out and do so. Like having Kyler Murray run the zone read with Baker Mayfield is the, is the, is the best point. That would be... That'd be awesome. Where Baker could take it and then like RPO it, like throw it down the middle of the field to Mark Andrews. The interesting thing, I think that, you know, Kyler Murray, if he is going to make this transition into some type, kind of slot role, uh, how much can be done over the spring? He's going to be on the baseball field for, yeah. I would say, a lot of the a good, a good portion. Question. Yeah, it's a really good uh, question. You know, I and I, I really haven't talked to a whole lot of people about OU baseball. I know that's a kind of a sore subject on the on the board, but uh, it, it sounds like he's going to be in the starting lineup at some point. Is there a sport that isn't a sore subject on the board besides, you know, that's not OU football? Uh, Gymnastics? That's not a topic. OU softball starts in 30 days. Yeah, that won't be a sore subject. There was a lot of talk with Auburn, uh, the Auburn people, about softball. They was really, it like that really weird kind of old dude? Yeah, like... like you know, asking like, me about all these players. I remember players. when I first, yeah, I remember when I first started going to like OU Texas games. There would be this row. Josh remembers this. Uh, what was the newsletter? It was like uh, 
like Jerry Scarborough or something, like Orange and White Report or oh, something like that. Oh, from the Texas side, that yeah. was um, the Orange and White Report or something like that, like or, uh, Burnt, Burnt Orange, Burnt Orange or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. But I remember those guys would sit in front of me, and all they talk about the entire game was how the women's basketball team was going to be, and all I could think about was, oh, my God, I don't want to be that guy when I get old, like... I'm at a football game and I'm more interested in talking about women's basketball recruiting. <laughs> like that's kind of the vibe I get from the people, the Auburn people that were asking yeah. you softball questions. I was just kind of like, yeah, you cover it, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, people are interested. That was I'm more interested in Sherry like Cole he, stealing money from the university. He, he was a guy that was there. Like he went to OU in the Wilkinson era. And by the time, you know, late in his life, he enjoyed going to watch the women's basketball team. I, I can't remember the last OU football game he went to. Like, I mean, like he fell in love with the women's basketball team. I don't, more I don't have any rationale for it. More interested in layups than touchdowns. I, Interesting. I guess. Missing I layups. Like, missing mean, layups. The, the women's basketball crowd, I can tell you, they, they, they trust it more there than the men's basketball crowd. They know they're going to get a select few that just love women's basketball, and they're generally in the older generation, but they, they show up every single year to every single game for women's basketball games. It's like a, a league of their own. It's uncommon. I mean, I guess it's like the equivalent <laughs> of the Yardbirds for baseball. I don't know. They show up every year, right? Yeah, they're good. Well, they take they're their, good people. They take their granddaughters. Their own team. They're good people. They, they take their granddaughters or they go with their life partner. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, not at all. Uh, so, we're way off track now. Sorry for we sidestepping. About, we Kyler, about Murray. Kyler Murray. <laughs> Actually. You, you were able to talk to him after the game, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I talked to him after the game. Uh, I didn't really get into that with him. I did ask him, could you have done a better job with Auburn's offense today than, than their quarterbacks did? And he just smiled. He was like, you know I can't answer that. <laughs> Which was yes. <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I asked Baker about it. You know, he was like, look, we'd love to have him be a bigger part of the offense, but I can't be the guy to go to him and say, Hey, would you do this? He has to, cause he's quarterback. They're in the quarterback room together. It would be kind of like, I don't know. It, it would just be wrong. According to Baker. Like it would be a breach of etiquette almost. Like, I think that's something he basically said that's something he and Lincoln kind of have to talk about and come to a, a decision on. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Like you don't want like Jacob Phillips to arrive at OU and be like John Michael, how you how you feel about outside linebacker, bro? Like you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, but at least Baker's a Heisman Trophy finalist. I mean, <laughs> fair enough. I, it's still probably not his place to do. I mean, he's still a player. Yeah, and they're in that meeting room together. And, I mean, for but he is the leader of the offense. So, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, he could talk to it with Lincoln Riley about it, but that message still has to come from. Uh, a higher yeah, place I mean, you have to chain. you have to give that guy the respect of knowing that he can beat you out. Like you have to, even though he's not going to beat him out, you have to have show that type of respect. Baker has almost reached the point of he can do just about anything he wants. Well, that's what you know? I thought too. But I mean, he literally that could probably made, actually that made me respect Baker a lot more because, like, wow, he's still. You know, he still cares about the little things about being a teammate and stuff. Yeah, the way that Baker talks about going into 2017, though, is, you know, there there's only one goal, and anything less, I think, would he would consider, I don't know, a failure, but it would definitely be something that below what they, the standards of what they want. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that's a good good part to uh, start. Do we want to talk about the game or 
or how do how do we want to do this? The sugar bowl in particular. Yeah. I mean, fire away. It was just I I thought that unless you want to talk about the being the the truther and the weather this weekend. Oh, side note on the weather: don't believe anything that you hear unless it's unless it gets colder. It's probably not going to uh, ice over. Because uh, we're going from like 60, and then Sunday it'll go back to 50. Yeah. But if it does it'll ice probably, over... It'll be a little slushy. It'll probably, probably be pretty bad. If it does ice over, though, I'd, I'd watch uh, Falling Off the Earth because you could uh, you could catch a catch an edge and it could be all, all, that's, all that's not You've good. You've been in planes before. You can see when you get up there that the horizon is curved. Can you? Yes. Mm, I don't know. The shadow on the moon. Look at the shadow on the moon. It's right there. That's the Earth. So okay, back to the Sugar Bowl. Your thoughts, Eddie Radosovich, that don't include conspiracies. As I, I, I was gonna say, just as far as down as I was at times this season, uh, as as much as I cursed the defense, I I thought that they played extremely well. I thought that you started to see some signs of Caleb Kelly uh, becoming a man. I thought that yeah, Harry, your article just absolutely nailed it as far as writing it three days before the game and then he comes out and just pretty much beat everybody's ass i thought he did really well it was a good game for mike stoops even though the you know offensively auburn was pretty pretty bad i guess is the best way to put it i even think sean white was a good quarterback i mean he completed some passes but dude that dude is never going to survive running that offense the other thing I don't know that Jarrett Stidham will survive running that. Did offense. he really break his arm, Sean White? I don't believe that I either. Don't, I don't think you I could play with a broken arm. That you break your arm in the first quarter and keep it because he threw passes after that. I think it was if he broke his arm, he might have had like a bone spur, in yeah, his shoulder. Or he elbow definitely or didn't something. break break his arm though. There's no Guys, way he, he broke failed. his arm. When he fell on that one where he nearly fumbled the ball, like it ended up not being, but it was really close. Yeah, he was. He, was he comes down forward. on both forearms. If you've got a broken arm, I don't care how tough you are, you are screaming bloody murder with a broken arm. There's no way that's a serious, legitimate broken mm-hmm. arm. And it, the fact that the that came from his father is like his father told us he broke his arm in the first quarter. Okay, whatever. Shut up, Dad. Yeah, I, somebody just yeah. should have immediately said, "Shut up." I, don't no, talk nothing anymore. like a dad press release at halftime. <laughs> his, his arm could be broken, but that, I mean a that, hairline that, fracture that, or that, something, or you know. You're right. You're that, right. That news came out though. He immediately after he throws a horrid duck when he had a guy open deep. Yeah. Then a few minutes later, his dad comes out and says he has a broken arm. I said, okay, sure. I, I think it's more things- likely that he had a, a pretty serious uh, AC joint sprain, and yeah. that's what kept him out, and that. He didn't have enough time to recover, and once he started getting hit, his shoulder probably loosened up on him again. Yeah, he couldn't throw anyway. It didn't matter. I mean, th- it wasn't like he was coming out zipping it around the field. I mean, that I'm I'm almost shocked that Gus Malzahn has those quarterbacks. I don't get it. I don't get how you can. Here's the other thing too: is and Josh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but to me, that entire offense, like Petway, is a stopgap. Like. He is not a true running back. He is a big fullback that you give. He is less. I mean, he's like kind of like watching Christian Okoye run the ball. It's yeah. like it goes in one direction. Uh, he has to slow down to change directions and then keep moving forward. Like that's not like watching Samaj P. Ryan, a big back with a lot of mobility and an explosion. That was watching a just a really big guy run with the football. 
That's the best that Auburn had to offer on offense. He's great if you have a change of pace. Yeah. Like if 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 Kerryon Johnson was really an elite back and he you wanted not. Petway in there for a third and three, cool, man. That that's great and that makes sense. But during the broadcast, they were talking about. Well, he announced back in November that he'll be returning. Yeah. Like, really? We, we were worried about Cameron Petway going pro. Like, that's that's akin to, like, I Wesley don't know, uh, Dimitri Flowers announcing that he was coming back this yeah. year. Like, and no offense to Dimitri, he's a good player, but he's the a NFL better running prospects back. are not there. <laughs> I mean, I, against Iowa State, he was a better running back. I think that's fair. Petway was still the best option they had on offense. Yeah, he though. was, though. How does that yeah. happen? How did how's that the talent in Auburn? I don't I I couldn't understand what I was watching. Well, I'll say this. I mean, for all the the defensive guys that are in SEC country, they don't have you know it's not quarterback central no. up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to they had to get they they're taking Jarrett Stidham as their quarterback. It's a great get for them yeah. and the best quarterback that they've had since uh, Nick Marshall. Well, look look at around the big you know the SEC. I kind of as. The Big 12 wants to go into the SEC and recruit linemen and that sort of thing. The SEC goes outside to find its quarterbacks a lot of the time. Look at Jalen Hurts. He's from Texas. You know, I mean, like you run down that list. There are a bunch of guys through the SEC over the last five or six years that are from the Texas ranks, from California. I mean, that are not SEC area guys because that's the last place on earth where they still run a ton of I formation and a quarterback throws it 15 times a game. Yeah, and then you go down. I mean, to, I'm sorry. In high school, in yeah. high school, then you go down to Florida, and it's like basketball on grass. Yeah, it, it's you know, I, and I think it's it's a system like it's not coincidental that OU brings a spread, and then every high school in the state of Oklahoma starts running the spread over the next five or six years. Well, like it, it everything you follow yeah. those coaches' clinics. Everything trickles down. Yeah, well, I think, exactly. I think exactly. The, I think the leech. Uh, theory kind of had it right. If your quarterback is good, if your quarterback is accurate, the rest kind of falls into place. And the SEC guys, they don't have the guys. But if you, Alabama, even Nick Saban, he struggles with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson threw for 420 yards in back-to-back games against Alabama because if your quarterback is elite, there's not much else the defense can do. And so that, that's kind of where the, the game is, is, is going. And I, I think that that's what you're going to see now is these SEC areas, they have to adapt. The SEC is is falling behind. What did they go in bowl games this year? What they they were, had a sub five hundred record. They gave up some of the most points allowed in any been conference. Two and six, two and five. You can't seven. You can't yeah, compete just running I formation playing defense s- anymore. Three and five, two and seven, something like that. Nick Saban can get away with it because he's got a bunch of five stars on defense, but you can't play that way in the future. The world's changing. The problem is that it that. If the SEC doesn't change, Alabama is just going to remain the one dominant school in that because oh, they're going to keep so. doing what they do. And the, the problem is not everybody has – I mean, Clemson had the offensive linemen to at least hold them at bay and let Deshaun Watson, you know, extend some plays here and there. There's not a lot of schools in the SEC that are going to be able to do that or have the quarterback that can do that. Right, you need the quarterback, but if – I, to me, it was a great sign for if you're Oklahoma and you you want to win a national title next year, and that's your your window really uh, for the near future. That gave you some hope. I mean, Baker Mayfield can do some of those things. He can make. He's probably as good as Deshaun Watson, if not better, at extending plays. He's unbelievably accurate outside of the pocket on the move. Those are things that even if Alabama can beat Oklahoma's offensive line, Baker Mayfield can still make up for next year if that happens to be the case. Here's what's interesting to me is I really, and people are going to hate me saying this, some people will, 
I don't think OU is that far off defensively. I mean, you look at if you have an offense like Oklahoma has, you know, they had all these games. Texas Tech was an abomination. No, I'm not going to say anything else about that. But you like look get get up big on West Virginia, get up big on Oklahoma State, uh, you know, get up big on Baylor. I mean, they let teams kind of come back later on in the game and pile up all these yards, you know, these yards, but they're not to me they're not that far especially over the last 5 games of the season. I think especially when you look at the most important part of the defense and you saw the growth out of Neville Gallimore, you saw the growth out of Caleb Kelly, you saw the the I guess the the a little bit from Devonta Lampkin. There there's pieces that they can build on and especially with the guys coming in in this recruiting class, I think that you can have a defense that really I guess makes a turnaround in 2017. Uh it's it's going to be tough you know, starting out with uh, Ohio State on the road. They lose some guys, though. It, you never know. That could be a, a really big turning point if they if they could go up there and win. I'm not saying It'll be will. interesting with Ohio State because there's a possibility that Kevin Wilson could look at another quarterback besides mm-hmm. JT Barrett. I think, I think he has to make that an open competition with the guys that they have on that roster. What do you think about that would, Kev, Kevin Wilson hire, by the way? I think it's – I don't know if it's as great as everybody makes it out to be. I'm not sure if his personality is going to mesh well with what Urban Meyer set up up there. I just can't – oh, I can't wait to hear the stories of Kevin Wilson just shredding Tate Martell, just verbally <laughs> accosting him. It's going to be great. That's my, I think Kevin Wilson's an offensive genius. I, yeah. I do. I mean, I he is – and Josh has seen a lot of me. He – is the best I've ever seen at tailoring an offense to a quarterback's strengths and weaknesses. He's and I don't extremely know, I mean, good. You're you're obviously very tight with Sam. I don't know what Sam thought he of him. him. Sam loves him. Yeah. Although he's crazy. I mean Oh yeah, there's I, no doubt about it. You know, you saw Gabe talking about the stuff that yeah. uh, he put out on Twitter. It I there's a hundred percent chance all of that happened. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that Gabe lied or anything, no. but he is insane. But he's a great football coach. But you know what? People that go on to greatness like Jamal Brown would back him mm-hmm. to a, the edge of a cliff. Oh, they were in the position they were because of Kevin Wilson. Yeah. yeah. But would what do you would you say that there's some merit to maybe there's an idea that that works in Oklahoma? Guys that come to Oklahoma tend to be looking oh, for I that think kind Urban's of environment. as big an asshole as anybody in college football. I think he's as demanding and as old school. I mean, you think Luke Fickle was right. like some you know. Greg Schiano. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, there you go. There, there were no gold, you know, great Samaritans up there. I mean, that's a bunch of old school football coaches up there that grab face masks and practice and yeah. yell at kids and do everything that gets everyone else fired these days. But they can get away with it because they win. Nick Saban can get away with it because they win. I mean, these are highly disciplined programs. Is this going to be? I think you have to have that if you're going to be a great program. Is this game next year going to be the most hyped game in Oklahoma regular season history in the last? I don't know. I mean, I can't think of a bigger one than Oklahoma at Ohio State next year. I'll just be glad that people aren't wasting their time like they were this year doing Uve von Shaman stories because (laughs) the game was in Columbus. It was like everybody couldn't wait to write their stupid Uve von. Not that Uve's stupid, but. You know, the story, it was like, oh, 1977. It's like, it was there. It was in Columbus. It wasn't here. Oh, you was playing in Columbus. Wait till next year to write all these obvious stories, you yokels. They'll uh, they'll just reprint them. Remember when we talked with Uwe Von Schaumann in 2016? When you guys are ready and need the research, my dad still has the uh, a, a tape, a cassette tape 
of the recording of the radio broadcast. Like, still has it, still listens to it from time to time. Like, he loves that play. That's that. When I think of that play, I think of my dad. That is awesome. Yeah. Your, it's crazy. Your dad and my dad and uncle would get along. There's a whole ream in their house of these VHS tapes of nothing but old OU games. But you're talking about he recorded this off the radio. He recorded this on the radio, exactly. Wait, like, wait. This is a this is a cassette tape. I don't even know. I tell like I always give him a hard time that he can still find something that actually can play the tape. Wait, so wait, wait, like a like you put it in your car tape? Yes, yes, like a uh, like a tape deck, a cassette tape, cassette tape. There's a lot of he, people listening that don't know what that is. Yes, Hold once on. upon a time, boys and girls. <laughs> Gary just gave me a visual example. I have cassette what tapes. What is that? <laughs> these what are, are cassette these tapes. What do I do with? Is this? that a compact disc? <laughs> no. Oh. I'll, if I had a pencil, I'd really blow your mind. Where's the touch? Carrie, are you one of those guys that like, do you have thing? every evolution of music? Like we know your love of vinyl, but do you have like an eight track somewhere? No, this is here. I'm, I, these are my old record. These are uh, that's a micro cassette. Oh yeah, yeah. I've dealt with those before. See, I've, I still have my micro cassette machine. That almost looks like uh, the thing that Macaulay Culkin had in Home Alone. What was that called? Uh, the uh, talk talk back talk boy talk boy. Talk I had one of those. I remember those the cool. talk boys. Those I awesome. had one of those. Yeah. I might bring that to a. Uh, I need to go to my parents' house. I might bring that to a, to a press conference one day. Oh, that'd be great. Dave Sittler was still using these before he retired. The micro cassette records. This still works. He I also used a typewriter to transcribe it. <laughs> Dave's my boy now. Don't be ripping on him. I'm not. That's funny. How awesome would it be to like Bob's answering a question here, ding, and you just hit roll back? No, I have, <laughs> I have <laughs> joked about this before, like because. When you go into the Florida State press box, like you come out of the elevator, and they've got this statue of a long time. I don't know if it was a sports information. I didn't take time to read it because you know working. But there's a guy with a typewriter, and I, and I've often had this discussion with people about how cool it would be if we just had like typewriter day, to where we all had to bring old typewriters up and do, <laughs> do stories that way. You couldn't tweet. I mean, you'd have to wear like a fedora. It'd be awesome. It'd suck, you put, know, lugging a typewriter around. Put but. your press pass in your cap. Yeah, what about a feather pen? Just writing like writing quill. everything out, yeah. yeah. Josh, is, his head's about to explode. He hates all this stuff. <laughs> he hates the fedora with the press thing. He thinks it's stupid. One of my first, I think the first time I ever saw Josh, because, you know, I'd hear him on radio interviews and stuff and read him, but the I think one of the first times I ever saw him was he was doing an interview with a kid. And that's when the, that was the the cargo shorts and leg tat and flip flops video where I think that really started to roll. That was my first exposure to to what Josh McQuistion <laughs> looked like and what he was about. And this is a roast Josh podcast all of a sudden. Oh, it's not a roast. I liked it. I thought that was cool. So you have a leg tat? Dress for the work. Did we lose him or did I? Did I? I didn't mean to run him off. He just quit. Josh, are you there? Did the dog walk up to the mic? I am here. Okay. I am here. I hear a but dog. Of course, yes, the dog is scratching right as you hear it, so we can all hear the jingle, you know, in a simulcast. But the thing I was going to say is, I've told the story before. The leg tat has broken multiple commitment stories, so everybody can hate on it all they want. I am the only reporter rocking it, so everybody gets to see it. I'm, I'm remembered. So you're saying recruits get interested in you because you have a leg tat? I, I, I'm not saying it's redeeming quality, but I am saying guys remember me because they're like, oh yeah, he's got the ink on his leg. So I, I literally, and I, I think I've told on the podcast before. Chris Patterson came up to me was like, because he had met me in the summer, 
And he committed while he was at OU. You know, uh, for those that don't remember, five-star linebacker years ago from Illinois. Well, he was visiting OU back in the days when uh, two days were open. You know, we could go watch practice. And I'm standing there on the side watching practice. And he goes, "Hey, man, you're the you know you're the guy." I had jeans on the next time he saw me. And he goes, "You're the dude with the leg tat, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "I just committed to OU." Literally, that's how we broke that story. Like I called Krabby. Krabby put it up on the board. Like. Because, you know, at that point, there was no such thing as, you know, I, I, you could do it from your cell phone. Um, so to take us that far back in time. But, yeah, I mean, that's helped me before. Like, and but Carrie remembers. I don't know if I worked with – I know I didn't work with Joe at this point, but I don't really, really know if Eddie remembers when I had the really long hair, like down to my, like, chin almost. <laughs> I don't um, think I ever I, – I got knew. dudes who would remember me from that. There you go. I didn't know you rocked the shaggy hair, Josh. Dude, I, I, I had really long hair. Tiffany loved it and then saw a picture of me from like years before when I had cut it. She goes, well, why don't you try to cut it one time? And I've literally never been allowed to grow it again. So it's it's just a shameful reality. Yeah, that's how they get the balls I'll, in the purse. I'll right remember there. that it, one. It is. There, that oh, one. dude, there, I don't even know which purse she's got them in anymore. I can't keep track. I have to remember that one. Okay. Yeah, don't don't let the the cut. You'll you'll never get it back. She'll like, it, you can't go back. She'll trick me. She's like, we're going to get burgers, and then we'll pull up to a barber shop. No, that's how I, that's how we got a dog. She told me we we're going to get ice cream, and I was excited. <laughs> and we walk into a dog place. She thought what it was a, really cute. See, what a sly little joke. Wedding or marriage stories again before the podcast, <laughs> end of the podcast. You two need to cyclical. like. You can have a weekend together or something. You know, get you away. Can go man straight together. Get away. About how well, we don't horrible get to go your to wives are. And sit for an hour. Yeah. If 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 you, you know how many questions I'd have to answer if I waited at a restaurant for an hour. Where are you, the baby? And I need you. Like I, I'd have to run. Like I literally couldn't wait that long. So you couldn't be Walter White. <laughs> you couldn't pull off Heisenberg. No, no, no. There there is an accounting of all my time. So it's you know, but it's funny because Tiffany is not that person at all. But like if I. If I'm gone, like she has a clock in her head. If I'm gone a little too long, she's like, "What you doing? Where are you at?" So I don't want like Tiffany to come off as like this awful military sergeant because she doesn't know what time of day it is most of the time. But she knows. Why, why did we get you the big? He truck? should be back in a reasonable amount of time. We got you the big truck so you could get home no matter what. Exactly, you can drive through all um, all fashion of weather. All right, I feel like we have to we have to address this head on. Eddie is still fascinated by the cassette tape. <laughs> I was just now. looking at it. Um. Might be some good old mainline on that one. I don't know. Uh, we've we've kind of hinted about it, we talked about it, but let's just put it out on the table. Jacob Phillips, Josh, what do you see happening there? What's what's your crystal ball? This one, and you know, we're going to go over it a lot in scoop. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a big part of the of Friday scoop. But well, just what, just halfway tease. Don't give them all the juice. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, Make you, you want to give them a little it. taste. Yeah, no, it's. It's so interesting because usually, like, when I hear something, you know, from one of our national guys or I start hearing stuff from another school's reporters, it kind you know, when I go and talk to my sources, they're like, you know, it, it sounds like, yeah, you know, it's kind of moving in that direction. But it's a stalemate. Like, if, if you talk to people close to the LSU situation, it's LSU. Like, I had one person tell me I'm 90% sure he's going to LSU. Like, I mean, it, it was that strong. I've even heard rumors that, you know, that he had committed at one point. I don't I don't think that's – I don't know that I believe that, but that rumor exists. Now, on the flip side, when you talk to people around Oklahoma, 
it's set. Like, it's good. Nobody's worried. He's still talking to people about the plan, you know, like who he's going to room with, what they're going to do once he gets there, people he wants to hang out with, you know, like making plans, not just like, oh, I'm coming to OU, but like doing things that lead you to believe this is more than lip service. So I don't know. I mean, and that was still, that was the case as of last night when this news broke of his uh, January 20th visit to LSU. So I don't know what to make of it right now. Like it, when I heard about the visit, I said, oh man, that's, that, that sounds like LSU. That, that sounds like a done deal. But then I talked to other people and it doesn't sound that way. And Jacob, there's a lot of kids that I would say, oh, he's just telling X school what they want to hear and he's going to do this. But Jacob's not that kid. He's, you know, you guys interviewed him. He's a very straight laced, very yeah. even keeled yeah. kind of guy. So I, I don't think he would just lead people on wrongly. I think he can't say no, and I don't know who he's going to eventually have to say no to. I'm just saying this. If he signs with LSU, I'm sending him a bill. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to pay for our trip to Nashville. I, I was Hotel, ta- gas, rental car. <laughs> it's going to get up there. Uh, data for our live stream. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. He's going to pay our Verizon bill that month. It's it, happening. I, I told Terry before we started the podcast. It just it, it feels like this is the first time. Oh, you are they in a good position? Just in that they already have him committed. He he is committed as opposed to the OU's trying to flip him. I mean, does that make sense? Ty goes to the commitment, right? Almost, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's where you want to be. You want the guy to have already made the call because if he picks OU, he doesn't really have to do anything. He just signs with OU. If he goes to LSU, he's going to have to, you know, tell OU, hey, I'm not coming. LSU, he never made the promise to. OU, he has to go through that step. And I know that seems small, but that's a big deal, especially to a kid like I'm talking about, where Jacob is such a honest and such a guy that's so likable and wants to be liked. And so I I think that's going to be really difficult for him. And I know I've talked to an LSU source that said that's one of their primary concerns is that he's just too nice of a kid that won't do this to mm-hmm. Let me throw this out there. Okay, so Ed Orgeron is their coach now. He is he has famously allowed like Bruce Feldman to come in and uh, when he was at Ole Miss and write an entire book about the recruit. He, what I'm trying to say is, he knows how to use the media. Is it possible that they are just trying to flood the media with talk that this is going to happen just in maybe thinking if we if this gets out there enough, it becomes the truth? That's an awesome point. I hadn't really thought about it, but that, that, I mean, you wouldn't put it past that him, that staff, you know, and they're, they have such a need at inside linebacker that they're, they're doing whatever they can. I mean, they're bringing in Tyler Taylor this weekend. So they're, they are doing whatever they can to make that work. But, you know, I don't think it's just that, but I definitely think they could be trying to put some gasoline on the fire. That's some uh, Jedi kind of stuff. You're trying to play some psychological warfare there. If you're that, that that's what what's going on. I mean, that's oh, if you're kind of like introducing the idea out into the universe, and then that way, oh no, nope, Jacob, now you can take it. I, that's that would be some uh, conniving kind of recruiting. But that's why I've never trusted occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I to me, the, the, when they're, I, when they're I, crafty. When I heard this news. It's oh, there's another putting guy. that Tony Chatteries on everything. <laughs> another guy in SEC country that's going to be hard for Oklahoma to get out again. It just feels like anytime somebody outside of SEC country tries to go in there to get a player, it's just always more than they bargain for. Am I wrong on that, Josh? 
You must be. I think the I dog must have showed up again. I'm here. I, I always hit mute because I'm always afraid the dog is going to make a noise or do something. That makes the podcast better. I don't know how you don't understand this by now. All right. All right. Well, I, I know that you prefer to hear Laney background noise. But oh, I love the it. The dog scratching, you know, I didn't figure it was, it was a good one. But we, we can certainly fix that problem. But what I was going to say is, yeah, I mean, like, what other conference has literally had a story in a national outlet about their bag men. Like, I mean, it's just so blatant in the SEC. They do not care what you think of them. What they All that matters is that getting that signature on National Signing Day. That there, is, there are no rules that apply. There is nothing else that is important. They are going to do whatever is needed to make that happen. Which is even more pathetic when you consider the fact that they, they cheat and still can't beat Alabama. They still can't win the conference. There, I, I have heard stuff. One of the ones has been popular. You know, I know we've done a podcast since it happened, but Lee Autry, when he, when he picked Mississippi state, I have heard from a couple places that he called Oklahoma literally minutes before he signed, telling them he was coming to Oklahoma and then signed his letter with Mississippi state. It's like, amazing. The, and why would he do that? He didn't have to, that, that feels like something happened. Like that feels like something went wrong there. And we're not even surprised about it anymore. Like you're just like Joe just said, well, it's just SEC recruiting. Like you, you just expect it to go wildly chaotic. I mean, every time you see a picture pop up on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter of a guy holding a wad of cash because he doesn't know he's not supposed to take a picture of that and put it on the internet yet, <laughs> it's always from an SEC state. It's never a guy from like Michigan or Colorado or California doing it. It's always, every single time, a kid from SEC country. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think that I can tell you from working in the Oklahoma athletic department that if there is stuff that goes on, which I'm sure there is at any college, they try very, very, very hard to make sure it doesn't happen. Uh, they don't break rules and things like that. So that's to, to, to Eddie's point. If you can go ahead and do it that way and still beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, I don't see why you wouldn't just go ahead and do it that way. You know what it is. Tony Sasheries. It's all that Tony Sasheries money. Mississippi State cheating is just... It, it it's funny to me. It's like Mississippi or Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Just any of those bottom tier SEC schools. Yeah. It's like you're trying. Very it's cute that you try, but it's just not good enough. And that's why Here's you have to thing, fall our, back on cheering for the conference. To me, it almost is like that's why you suck is because you convince yourself that everybody else is cheating and that's why you're not good. No, you're not good. Because you don't have good coaches who can recruit, who can develop players, who can evaluate players. There's so many other reasons why you you suck other than that you're not cheating. It starts with your head coach, Mississippi State, wearing shorts on the sidelines for a football game. Dan Mullen wore shorts? Yeah, when they got beat by, uh, who'd they get beat by early in the year? Presbyterian or somebody just oh, yeah. embarrassing? Well, the game that the guy had to sit out for, you know, that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one-game suspension the for their... South yeah, Alabama? Their female yeah, I think it was. Work. Something like that. Did he rock the, like, nut-hugger coach shorts? Because I cannot stand No, they were, they were just your run-of-the-mill. I think they were pleated, though, khaki shorts. Wasn't like the old bike shorts with the strings no. in the front? If he would have done that, that, that would have been badass. I would, I'd be <laughs> saying that's awesome, but he didn't do that. I wonder if He's my not parents cool. still have my pair of those from when I was growing up. I was just growing up at the time when those were going out. Going back out? Yeah. I never understood those shorts either because it's obvious, like, 
stuff was going to hang out of them. Up until about 2003, I think my dad wore them to do yard work all the time. And it was just like, <laughs> ah, The bike shorts. Yeah. Like the athletic. Terrible. Yeah, they let everybody see your uh, your package. That's what I mean, girls, that's what yoga pants are. Guys should just embrace it. Yeah. And wear it back. No, they I've completely not. embraced yoga pants. Yoga pants. <laughs> not wearing fine. them, but looking yoga at pants them. are a gift to the world. Dudes with their packages displayed, no. Yoga not pants and white pants are the greatest inventions since I don't know. You can't be fat and you wear white pants though. That's a definite yeah, I don't wear white pants. No. When you're fat, it's dark colors and lots of layers. But you're talking about on women. Yeah, I understand girls. where you're coming from. Women, yeah. It can be really Not bad. Not girls. Like... That sounds weird. <laughs> women. Jeez, it didn't, but now it does. <laughs> All right. Uh, boys, anything else we want to hit on? I, I mean, I, I'm sure there's... I mean, the Jacob Phillips thing, I think a lot of people really just wanted yeah. your hardcore opinion on. Uh Signing day coming up on, I'm trying to count Fe- the days here. It's February 1st, right? Yes, it is February 1st. The dead period, I believe today ends, right, Josh? Yeah, it's, it ended today. All right. I, I'm trying to remember if it, if the clock ticks at midnight or if it started. I, God. I'm, I think it was fried. midnight last night. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm almost certain that's 12 correct. 12.01 it ended last yeah, night. I think signing day is three weeks from today. Here's something. That's right. It's exactly three weeks, yes. Josh, here's here's a question. What what will Oklahoma's plan of action be just as far as, I know you've alluded to it a little bit on the board, but uh, what will their plan of action be just as far as in-home visits coming up? I think Marvin Wilson's probably the biggest, uh, maybe 1A if Jacob Phillips is 1A, Marvin Wilson's 1B. I think those are both extremely important for OU if they want to uh, seal the deal. But uh, what what where do you see the coaches going? Is there a, a, a guy of importance i guess that i that they'll be sure to go see uh here coming up over the next couple weeks you're right with marvin i mean they, we talked about that before uh christmas that uh, bob soups was supposed to do his in-home one of the last days of the uh the open period before christmas but they actually ended up canceling that and it was at marvin's behest as i understand it um, to go ahead and put that back into January. So I think that's huge for Oklahoma to kind of get to go and have that one last punch because all that, you know, don't get me wrong, Calvin Thibodeau is the the entire impetus behind this relationship with Marvin Wilson. But when you go in and you put that head coach there, I, I think that's a big piece of the equation. And it still gives you kind of that puncher's chance. Like, oh, that in-home went really well. From As a good example, a lot of what I understand is – Chuck Filiaga, a large portion of him picking Michigan was how well the in-home went with Jim Harbaugh. So I think that's always got to be considered. But, you know, I, I think as you look around, obviously Jacob Phillips, uh, he has told me, oh, you will be in home with him on Friday and it'll be Tim Kish. And that was always the plan. But from some people I've talked to over the last 48 hours, it sounds like it could be Tim Kish, Mike Stoops, Kerry Cooks, like they're going to start sending a bunch yeah, of I would, guys. I think that's smart. Yeah, and it's the advantage of there's not many guys left on OU's board. So they don't have 20 in-homes to do a week. They've got six or seven or eight, and so they can really send guys out and really make this a big deal every time they go in-home. And then you follow that up on Monday when Bob Stoops is going to do his in-home with Jacob. So 
I think hell, now, send Lincoln Riley and tell him you're going to put him on the the uh, have him throw passes like yeah, have him put him on the offensive plan and make him a Heisman Trophy candidate. Absolutely, like I, I you to me. If I'm gonna, if it's an offensive guy, there's no way I go into that room and Lincoln Riley's not there. If it's a defensive guy, there's no way I go into that room and Kerry Cooks isn't there. Those are your two best recruiters, the guys that you want in a living room, talking to mom, talking to the kid. They're going to create a level of comfort. And again, it's something of it. It's just perception. Oh, they sent four guys here for me. They really want me because you keep hearing Jacob talk about LSU tells me I'm their number one target. Blah blah blah. I'd be very interested to hear what Marvin Wilson thinks of anybody else being their number one target. But I mean, and you know what? That, Here's another thing too, and I think people forget about this because they just see crazy man in a box. But I mean, Mike Stoops made it his personal mission to go get Caleb Kelly last year. I mean, he is still a good recruiter, and for as nuts as you might think he is on a football field, in homes he comes off well, and he gets he has always signed kids that he's gone after and targeted himself. We've said before that he'll, he's an honest guy. You talk to him, he'll tell you what he's thinking, and, and people generally respond to that, especially in recruiting. When you're talking to so many people where you're thinking, I, I, this is not who I'm really talking to. I'm talking to a salesman here. And, and Mike can at least can say, here, here, here's me for better or worse. I'm Mike Stoops, and you're going to see it. Yeah, and, and he doesn't have to have a translator like Coach O probably will in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I can honestly say I'm one of the few people in the world that has ever actually heard Mike Stoops' pitch. I mean, I've told that story before. When Gary Simon thought he rejected my call and he actually turned me on and I listened for like probably longer than it was, you know, socially acceptable to listen to what OU was telling Gary Simon. I mean, like I I got to hear a good portion of that recruiting pitch just because I was so interested to hear it. So, you know, that's and you're right, Kerry. I think people I don't and Kerry, you you could really say something to this because I thought in Mike's first stand at OU. He was very much a coordinator and not much of a recruiter. Right, yeah. I thought he, he left really improved when he came back. I think he's been much better since he returned. Yeah, and I'm not saying that he's Brent Venables because Brent was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I, he's he's done a really good job. I mean, look, and you mentioned Gary Simon. That was a really good pickup for them. Mm-hmm. Didn't pan out because he was a knucklehead. Uh, but he's been able to bring in a lot of guys. They just haven't panned out you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, these guys that, that Kerry Cooks is coaching now, most of this starting, you know, I mean, you think about it, Stephen Parker was one of the first guys he targeted when he got this job. Mm-hmm. I he, mean, he went into and he Florida got and got him on Thomas and a lot of other people wanted. I mean, most of the big-time players that are on this team defensively in the secondary are guys that Mike Stoops signed. That's true. I mean, even Jordan Thomas. Jordan Thomas is a Bobby Jack Wright guy. So, yeah. I mean, like, it's not – I mean, don't get me wrong. Kerry Cooks is an outstanding recruiter. He is. But he just hasn't been here long enough now, to get those, his. Those yeah, aren't Terry Cook's guys, right? But they'll come, and I mean, they're coming. Of now, course, of course. I think Parnell Motley's, you know, going to be a really good player for him. Speaking of the secondary recruiting, one of the things I thought about for next year's team, when you guys are talking about the defense, that secondary has a chance to be pretty good. All of a sudden, you can have Jordan Thomas on one side, who Eddie and I were talking about this before the show. He he got he had a lot of bad moments last year, but I don't know if he ever got beat by a guy consistently. Uh, then on the other side, all of a sudden, instead of worrying about Dakota Austin or whomever as your number two cornerback, you're going to have Jordan Parker and Parrish Cobb battling it out. And that's yeah. a good problem for Oklahoma to have. And Will Sunderland or, you know, Khalil Houghton or somebody steps into that safety position behind Ahmad Thomas, and you're probably not going to lose too much there. And then Stephen Parker looked like one of the best uh, secondary guys in the Big 12 last year. So all of a sudden, that secondary actually looks like a strength. And not to mention, I, I you know, the, all, of all the guys that played in the All-American game, 
I think it was six of nine or defensive guys. So they went out and they, they've at least answered some of the questions on that side of the ball. They just need to develop them now and yeah. I guess get them out there and play. And you saw Caleb Kelly, they're, they're doing something Jeez. right. So, and that's what I, if I'm Mike Stoops, I'm sitting in there in Jacob Phillips living room and I'm saying, look at Caleb Kelly. He was a true freshman. We had a plan for him. We didn't, we didn't start him in the season because we didn't want to ruin him, but look how good he played at the end of his first season we have just as much a need at middle linebackers we had for him at outside line. And their schedule will allow them to get him on the field a little bit more outside of the Ohio State game, which is going to be huge. They'll yeah. be able to get him on the field, I think, Tulane a little bit. and UTEP. Yeah, yeah. two teams that get ready know. for this brutal home schedule next year. Yeah, it's I know not we've good. talked a little, a little bit about it amongst ourselves, guys, but if you were going to pick the two starting inside linebackers right now, just as, as we understand things, who would you pick? Well, Bob told me the other day that they're they're going to look at maybe moving um, Capri Doucette. Oh, Capri. Yeah. Capri. And I know, I just don't think DeBerry has it. I don't think he has that ability to move to the inside. He doesn't have the ability to play on the outside either, which is a shame. But I think Capri Doucette will be the guy because he was so highly regarded as a junior college player. I think there's a lot more that, that they think he has that he hasn't shown. Do do you think? I guess you think Beal holds on to one spot at least to start the year, and then I, I think John Michael Terry, yeah. someone they like a lot, an inside linebacker. I think he'll be yeah. in that mix. And then to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked, and we'll see what happens here with LSU. But if Jacob Phillips comes in and he is the guy we think he is, Emmanuel Beal might want to watch out because Jacob Phillips is one of the more freakish guys that Oklahoma has ever had committed on the. And you're not going to have ball. a big size difference between those two guys. No, Jacob not at all. The small. Advantage. Yeah. So I mean, Phil, to me, Phillips. No, I would say Phillips, right John now, Michael Terry is your best case scenario. I would if those say guys end up panning out. Right now, John yeah. Michael Terry, I would put him to replace um, Jordan Evans to right. start the season, and then I'd probably say Bill starts the other position to start the season. And he might. I think with that schedule early, you can you can switch guys in and out. You can almost have one right. A and one B. This will probably be the last time that we ever talk to talk about him on the podcast, but. Uh, you know, speaking of Jordan Evans, after the Texas Tech game, there was an obvious light that turned on at some point because he was a madman the last four games. He and was great. I said, I wish I, people would give him credit. Yeah, I mean, I, people just still hate on him because yeah, that Texas Tech. Game. I was all over him. I'm pretty sure I called him soft, and uh, he proved me wrong there the last four games. He played really well. Really good to see that kid have success. In yeah, because he, he was just beaten down at one point. I think. Yeah. Uh, especially after the Tech game, but I mean, I, mean I don't know how you couldn't love him and appreciate him as an OU fan, hometown kid. No, he's you know, extremely legacy. good kid. He played grown man football when a lot of people could have folded. I mean, because Eddie is not wrong. I mean, he played soft Huge football playmaker. against Texas Tech, and then at the end of the year, he played great. Two pick sixes, bunch of tackles. The first half of that Sugar Bowl, the first quarter of that Sugar Bowl, I think he had six tackles, a pass breakup, and a tackle for loss or something. He came ready to play at the end of the year, and that's. I mean, if, if you're an Oklahoma fan, that's that's got to be good to see. The team had two losses. He's a senior. He looked down after the Texas Tech game. It's you, There's so many guys that just kind of fade away at that moment in their career, and he didn't do that. He dug down deep, and he, he came back, and I think he's probably going to have an NFL career now the way he ended the year. He's going to sign with somebody. He's going to be around for a few years, probably cash some checks. It's also good to see Ahmad Thomas figure out after four years that he's physical. Yeah, he yeah. made it count in the last game. Gee, what Christmas. the hell was that? Where did that, that come from? That was unbelievable. I was I, like, is, who is that? I think it even surprised uh, uh, Kerry Cooks. If you see the video that we put on uh, the Scoop HD footage, 
Viney, or I mean, uh, Cooks is like running down the sidelines, like can't believe what he just saw. It was a it was a crazy season considering they were down what was it twenty one to seven in the first quarter in Fort Worth one and two out of the polls. I think they were the first team to ever start top five in the poll, leave the poll, and then finish in the top five. So it was wow. it was a hell of a hell of a coaching job. No matter what people want to say about Bob Stoops and company. Now, Eddie, I have to ask you this. I remember when we were on this podcast and OU was sitting at one and two, we discussed if OU ran the table, mm-hmm. would it still be a good season? And, and I do believe you said it didn't matter at that point. The yeah. season was already ruined. Now that we're here at the end of the year and they ran the table, what are your thoughts? Congratulations on beating the fourth best team in the SEC, Bob. It's nothing. No, it, it was a good season. It was it was a really good comeback. Uh, it's it's cra- the uh, the craziest thing is Oklahoma enters the 2017 season with the longest winning streak yeah. in the country right now yeah. at 10, ten games. games. Yeah, so it they, it's gonna be a and fun. They haven't off-season. lost a Big Twelve t- a game in two years now. Yep. Yeah, and only two Heisman finalists return: Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. And I I gotta tell you, Deshaun Watson playing well in that game was actually great news for Baker Mayfield's Heisman chances. Because people probably feel slighted now. Oh, oh people sh- are going to hold it against. They're going to hold it against Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson. Fair yeah. or not, they're going to hold it against him. They're not going to give him. They're going to feel like they gave him one that he probably didn't deserve. Right. The Heisman committee should go to Louisville in the middle of the night and take that trophy back. Give it to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that that'd be the only right thing to do. He's good. I don't know how good he's no. going to be in the NFL because I don't know that he has. He doesn't have like Cam Newton's arm strength. But it's big and physical. He is. He's going to at least be able to survive. And he's unlike a Robert Griffin. And he's yeah. smooth too. I mean, he's he's effortless in the way he moves. Man, I, that I think that guy's going to have a good career. Well, and I would I would probably say that Deshaun Watson didn't sell his soul like Robert Griffin did. He's part of the Art Briles company. Yeah, yeah. Are there? Well, you got Kendall. It's going to be now down in Florida with. Uh, Oh my God! Oh, yeah. With Lane, so Lane. that's going to be interesting. If, what I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall. I, I would give everything. That's going to be a train wreck. Boca, I hope. I hope they Joey get, Freshwater is going to own Boca Raton, though. I by hope the end after. Of the <laughs> I hope after signing day, every school in Florida turns them in for recruiting violations. <laughs> like even, uh, like even Florida International, they're like, yeah. yeah, Florida Atlantic, they're cheating their ass off right now. <laughs> I I don't know if this is true. I don't know how much validity this is, but supposedly uh, Lane Kiffin, before the semifinal game, had to get IV'd up in a coach's meeting because he was so hungover. That, I doesn't that doesn't shock me. I've that Barstool's report. That's that's an that's a uh, Eddie Rodosovich group text report. <laughs> <laughs> that's an elite club, that Eddie Rodosovich group text. We don't care where your info comes from. We just want it, Eddie. We need break, to put that on the board. We break a lot of news in this Trump Trump age <laughs> through text. All right. I think that's going to do it. Uh, Josh, unless you have anything that you want to add. I don't even know how I follow that. There's really nothing else we can do in this podcast other than me to shoot up my steroids before we get out of here. Unless you guys uh, want to Kerry has needles really in his needles. hand right now. Yep. Those are long syringes. I feel like I'm in the 1985 Oakland A's locker room right now. Do you want me to? Do you want me to shoot up? <laughs> uh, where you get? Where you get to shoot it up? Do you go in the? I go in the thigh. Oh, in the thigh. Is it a jabbing motion or do you? You go straight down. I'm watching. I mean, I've got to take the cap this off and unveil the needle. There's alcohol swabs involved. 
I am. I, I guess we haven't talked about this that I'm juicing. When would you have juiced? I it? alternate thighs too, so it's left thigh this when, week. Carrie just put on a Sammy Sosa jersey <laughs> to do this. Mark McGuire aided. I am. I am doing skin cleansing too. I'm going to be much wider. They need. You need to take these needles over to the OU baseball program. Start hitting home runs. <laughs> yeah, they they need some help with the long ball, don't they? That's probably my biggest regret in high school is that I never did a cycle of steroids. Never juiced? Yeah. I was going to ask, would you guys juiced if it was available? 1,000%. I talked. I played a lot of Not baseball even players questioning who it. all said Probably yes. after I, I yeah. tore my rotator cuff, I probably would have. I, it, it's I mean, I funny you say that. Shot. I know more baseball players that juiced in like the JUCO level Oh, yeah. In high school, even yeah, we than never any other sport. Tested. I never remember our drug test in junior college. No, I don't think it happens. That is a long needle. See, that's oh a needle. My gosh, it's very scary. You, if you just I first did it. What if you just spray it into your mouth instead of? And you can't do this orally. Oh, here I go. Needles in. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's a long trip too. Here's yeah. the part I don't like. <laughs> This is great radio. You got to pull up on the thing to get a bubble to make sure there's you didn't hit a vein. What? Yeah. I thought yeah, you were supposed you to do this in your arm, like, like put a. I thought you were supposed to like tie off and that's, like. That's heroin, Eddie. Oh. Yeah. He, you notice he didn't smack himself, Eddie. He wasn't trying <laughs> to find the vein, bro. No. His one, eyes are in the back of his head. He's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Eddie standing over me with a giant shot of adrenaline. <laughs> Try and restart my heart. <laughs> All right, here we I go. I literally thought I was going to do that to Tiffany one time. Tiffany had some sort of... You ready? Oh, I here can't I remember go. what it was. There was some sort of issue, and I had to... It, she. They ha I, I had to give her a shot. And, you know, Tiffany gives shots all day. For those that don't know, she's an anesthesia. So she's used to it. She's familiar and I'm assuming I'm just going to give her a shot, and it's all good. No problem. She tells me what I need to do. Like, Ed, you know, uh, Carrie said, kind of pull it out, get the bubble, make sure you're good, and then you inject it. Well, as I do it, she's sitting on the counter of our kitchen, and she kind of hops down, and everything seems okay. And then, like, she starts, like, stumbling and falling. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've killed her. Like, I'm just <laughs> certain I've killed my wife. And... Like, I have to pick her up, and I put her on the couch. Like, she falls. Like, it's a kind of scary deal. And she's like, oh, yeah, I kind of have a thing with needles where I pass out. You couldn't have told me that shit before we started this? Like, I had no idea Timing. that this was even a possible. It really, I, I, it was probably as scared as I've been as a husband. I really thought I'd killed her. It's like the line in Wedding Singer. This information could have been useful to me yesterday. Exactly. It, and she's like, she thought it was funny. I was like, that, that, that's not funny. That's not funny at all. By the way, Carrie just pushed his needle in, and I thought it was going to be like a smooth push. But he, no, you really have to. Oh my! It's it's very like you don't want to put this stuff in the in the refrigerator because you'd never be able to get it into your leg. He was like straining like he was going over a tough deuce or something. Like he was like every part of his <laughs> wow. body was. That's graphic. It was just my hand. Oh, yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm juiced. That was. I can't remember the last time I took a shot. I mean, this is the first time know. I've ever given myself shots. I've never though. given myself one. It was really weird when they told me. I was like, because you can go by the clinic and they'll shoot you in the ass. But they're just like, oh, you can do this at home on your own. I'd much rather prefer doing it on my own than having someone shoot it in your ass. Yeah, unless it was a really hot nurse. I don't think I'd want a hot nurse looking at my bare ass. It's probably your bare ass is probably gross. 
Better than probably what she's seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Depends what she saw that day. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there he goes. And he's <laughs> Oh, God. All right. <laughs> get the adrenaline, get that, Eddie. Uh, get that adrenaline, Eddie. No, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, Other than a God. Bit. Just Eddie's bare ass got me. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, <laughs> we ended the podcast by juicing. It's a podcast first. What other podcast can you find exactly. that endorses juicing? That's awesome. I did have to sign a waiver saying that I would not play professional sports when they gave me all this stuff. That's awesome. And it's too. a controlled substance, too. So when they deliver like it, that Carrie's dreams are over. They deliver it. Did you? Oh, I can. Did you have a beat of hesitation? Because I literally, I think I might. But well, maybe. And you never. Know. I know that I I was more than happy to announce that I my retirement from Major League Baseball. <laughs> bullpen catcher still out there. That that's the gig you want to have is bullpen. Catcher. No, you don't. Everybody's that's playing for second place ever. these days, anyways. <laughs> oh come God. on! It's already happened. Wearing my the world Cubs champion. Has already gotten wearing my world champion cop- hat today. Gotten uh, yep. cocky. This new money Chicago Cubs fan. All Dynasty. Right. That's gonna do it. Uh, I feel kind of sh- some shame that I juiced on air. Why? I, I think know. that's a great part of the show. Kids don't juice. All right, wait till you're an old man and your testosterone levels are ridiculously low. Unless you don't want to get a scholarship. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, that happened. There it goes again. All right. Before Eddie says anything else horrible. Well, next time that we talk, they'll have nine, ten uh, new players on campus. So that'll be a good news. That will be good news, unless the uh, unless the ice storm kills a few of them. Stay woke. Don't believe everything you see on TV. <laughs> All right. For Eddie Radosevich, stay woke. Joe Duvall, Karen Rock, Josh McQuistian back in studio, in his own studio. Uh, we'll see you next week on another edition. Glad to be back, by the way. See you next week on another edition of the Unofficial 40.